Amen. Well, again, welcome to Hope Lower Town. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Brian, the lead pastor here at Hope, and um, glad you're able to be here. If you see uh, my little boy, Jack, uh, it's his third birthday today, uh, so you're going to have some chocolate cupcakes. If There's only a couple. There's only maybe two dozen, so if you get if you get there first, you can get some chocolate cupcakes, and the rest of you just get some store-bought stuff, so... Um, anyways, if you see little Jack running around, just wish him happy birthday, if you don't mind. Um, it's uh, fun. It's a fun age. All right, we are in week nine of Ephesians, and uh, this, is a, this is a fun passage. It's actually a passage that I, I go to a lot uh, in, in teaching about how Christ has won the victory and that he has united all peoples. And so if we uh, look at this passage, especially just in, in context of, of our church, of our, our community, our town, our city, our nation, I think there's a lot of um, applicable aspects to this. Um, but I don't wanna just make this about uh, the church as a whole, as important as that is. Uh, but today I do want to be a time of reflection. Uh, of, of self-reflection, of a time of confession, repentance, because I don't think there's anybody this morning that's like, ah, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's not me. I don't struggle with that. Um, because if you say that, then it puts you in another camp, right? And then so we all get labels. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about. So we're talking about dividing walls. Uh, walls, and this could be a physical wall, it could be a metaphorical uh, wall. Uh, if you're on uh, TikTok at all, uh, there's a, a, a new uh, argument or fight that's going on among TikTokers, which what uh, is there more that exists in the world, doors or wheels? Right, and you're, and you're, and people just fight about it. Right here, there's here's why uh, doors, because look at all the big buildings, and there's no wheels in that. And then someone puts on a diagram of a doorknob that actually the the spinny object is labeled a wheel, and so they're like, there's two wheels for every door, uh, right? And so it just goes on and on and on, right? Uh, and then someone's like, every blood cell has a gate, uh, and that counts as a right. It's just ridiculous, right? And people fight about it. Not that's kind of a joking one. Um, but then it might be a little bit more, uh, not just metaphorical. Uh, we can look at, um, oh, and when you, when you Google uh, the wall, right? What comes up when we think of a wall? There's, I guess Pink Floyd had an album, The Wall. I didn't, I didn't actually know that until I Googled it this morning. <laughs> uh, there's also uh, uh, The Wall. I guess there was a movie called The Wall. Don't know anything about that. Um, but uh, recently, there's, I saw this commercial, this ad for, for Planters Nuts, these mixed nuts. Um, and I don't know these actors' names. I know uh, Kim, Kim, Kim. I'm just going to stick with that. Ken. Just, just whatever. These two actors, they're sitting there eating these mixed nuts, and, uh, and one of them takes a, a, a one at a time, right? And, and picks one out and eats it. And the other guy's like, what are you doing? It's mixed nuts. Just, you, you, they're mixed for a reason. You grab them all and you toss them in your mouth. And then they start, so then he pulls up his phone. He's like, come on, internet. You tell me, tell me who's right. You eat your mixed nuts one at a time or, or you, you grab a handful. And, uh, and then, and then a, a screen comes up and it says literally one second later and, and the United States is just being ripped apart, uh, by this debate. And, and then the, the guy there on, on my right, I don't know his name. Does anyone know that guy's name? Didn't think so. Um, who? Joe McHale. All right. It's very famous, obviously. He, uh, he says this though, and I love this line. And every time I see this commercial, I laugh like out loud, like I wheeze laugh when he says this. Uh, he says, who knew America could tear itself apart over a relatively minor difference of opinion? 
right? I just love that. It's so, it's like we're talking about mixed nuts, but everyone just loses their mind. Uh, and, And we get so defensive about it. You might be, you might think of, when we think of the wall, uh, we might think of this, all right? And, and, and I can tell you right now, if we took a poll right now, we'd probably be, as a church, pretty divided on this. Um, and yet, politics are not important as far as our church, uh, that we worship the king, we worship the lamb, uh, and yet we live in the United States where we get to vote on these different things. We have freedoms, right? And we wouldn't say, well, we shouldn't have any walls. We just let anyone in all the time. Well, of course not. And yet, do we need to... Right, all the things, right? And I'm not trying to get political or divisive, but this is just a wall. This is what comes to mind when we think of a wall. We might think of the Berlin Wall uh, that separated East and Western Germany uh, between uh, communist uh, Russia versus the free West. And and now thinking of Ukraine and Russia, and there might be people on different sides of that. Probably not, but maybe there is. But maybe when we look at, maybe there's a war going on right now on democracy versus communism, right? I thought we were done with all that stuff. No, we're not, right? It's happening right now. Um, and, And there's division over political viewpoints. We might think of the Jim Crow South and, and literal walls that are up to just to be hostile uh, and, and the racism that would exist uh, in that. Uh, personally, when I was thinking of a, of a wall of hostility, I thought of my church growing up. This was a Bible Baptist Church in Bloomington, Illinois. And this is just a Google Street View and um, tiny little church that, that my dad was a pastor of. Uh, I, I, was, I was led to Jesus in this church. Uh, I was baptized uh, by my dad in this church. And I lived here. Uh, I went to this church from when I was about three years old to about, uh, I don't know, eight or nine before we moved to Chicago. Um, and what's interesting, though, about this building is... Uh, we would, there was this, it's hard to see, but there's a fence. There's kind of that, that long, that taller fence, six, seven foot fence there. Um, and it had, it was, it was a chain link fence, but it had these plastic things in it. So you couldn't, you know, it wasn't like a climbable fence necessarily. And, and I remember like as a kid, we were always, we would take our bikes like full speed, you know, and just slam into the, into the fence. Why? I don't know. Cause we're kids and it was the eighties. That's just what we did. Um, I don't know. And then, but I do remember though, distinctly, uh, and, and I was around, I wasn't with my brother, but the, the building to the left there, kind of in that parking lot was a Kroger, uh, which was a grocery store, uh, in the area, in the Chicago area. And, uh, and, the, and the north side of that was a McDonald's. Uh, and so we, we were frequenters of McDonald's. Well, one day my brother and my cousin David Stein, they got this bright idea that they were gonna go walk to McDonald's. But instead of walking 50 yards south to go around the fence, that's clearly not attached to anything, they thought, hey, let's just go over the fence. That'll be so much faster. Uh, and so they decided to scale the wall. Well, this was a chain link fence, but the top of it, um, the, the barbs on the top weren't curled down. They were just pointing straight up, right? Uh, and so they, as they're climbing over it, my brother, as he's trying to climb over, it gets his jeans stuck on it. So he's dangling, right? He's just dangling now. And he's reaching up, trying to get his pant leg unhooked on, from this uh, Thing And my cousin David, though, gets, says, oh, I'm going to help you. And so he lifts him up. And at the same time, my brother falls and his hand just gets ripped open. Gets like 38 stitches. Maybe it's 36. Either way, a lot. Pretty bad. 
you know, he comes running back into church with, you know, just blood everywhere. We were trying to go to McDonald's, right? What? Uh, and, and this became literally a wall of hostility, right? This was like a, a wall that was inflicting harm on people. And so when I think of a, of a hostile wall, I always remember this, this wall, right? just this, this fence that was in our church. And so, the, because the apostle Paul this morning is going to literally use that phrase, a dividing wall of hostility. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 22. And I think the things, the walls that I mentioned, but are metaphorical or physical walls or whatever it may be, uh, racism, that we, we think of these walls uh, and they're very real, uh, whether they're mental, physical, or metaphorical. And so I want to be thinking about them. And how does Christ deliver us from those walls? Not just physical walls, uh, but even within walls, maybe that we've built up within our own minds. And so we're gonna be looking at Ephesians chapter two, 11 through 22. So a little bit more uh, passage this week than we've been used to. We've been going kind of two, three verses at a time. Uh, but this week we've got um, uh, 11 verses here. So we are uh, gonna start off with this first phrase that we are separate from Christ. And, and when, we get, when we look at the text, the first word is therefore. And uh, if you've been here, I've mentioned this before, when you get to the word, therefore, you have to ask yourself the question, what? What is it there for? Good. Okay. So when we get, when you're reading the Bible, you get, oh, therefore, we got, you got to go, okay, why, why he's, he's try, the apostle Paul is trying to recall everything that was previously said. We're not going to go back and reread all of chapter one and the first part of there of chapter two. But basically what the apostle Paul is doing is he's saying, God's doing this. God's the hero. God's the, the main character in your story. It's all about God. And we are just along for the ride. And, and it just, everything's about God and all the things that God has done for us and how he's provided for us and how he's, he's saved us. And he, he woke us up from the dead. He, he said, you were dead and you've been made alive. That's God doing these things. So therefore, it's all about God. And then here we get to the first verb, the very first verb that the apostle Paul is like, hey, hey, church in Ephesus, hey, New Testament church, this is a command for you. This is a verb that you need to do. What is it? Remember. I want you to remember everything that God's done. So therefore, remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Let me just pause there, explain that just briefly. What's going on? Gentiles uh, is just a, a, a phrase, a word for all ethnicities other than Jewish or an Israelite or Hebrew, every single ethnicity, right? So if you are in this room and you are not of a Jewish descent, you're a Gentile, all, all of them, every single ethnicity out there. So everybody who's not of uh, Israelite descent are Gentiles by birth, that's me, called uncircumcised. That was a, it was a name that the, that the Israelites would call other nations. You're uncircumcised, why? Circumcision, which is obviously uh, a thing that's done to male babies. And, and in the Old Testament, it was on the eighth day and it was a, a mark of the covenant. I'm not gonna get into all that and why and blah, 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 but it was a physical demarcation on a male human being to say, I'm now in the covenant and I can prove to you I'm in the covenant, right? I, I, I can show you I'm in the covenant. That was kind of the idea. I'm physically marked, I'm in the covenant people of God. And other people, Gentiles, if they wanted to become part of the covenant people of God, had to obey the law and get circumcised. It was a very physical thing. 
So we have this circumcision that's going on and, and, and the apostle Paul saying, you are called uncircumcised. This was a physical thing, but now something is changing here. Remember, here it is again, that second time, verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners and the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. That if I'm a Gentile nation that is not a, in proximity with Israel or on the other side of the nation, I don't know about Yahweh. I don't know about God. He hasn't revealed himself to us. He hasn't shown us his law. He chose Israel. He chose Abram and Abraham and said this, I'm gonna make you a nation. Here's my covenant that I'm gonna make. Except the problem was he told Israel, I want you to be a blessing to all nations. I want you to tell everyone about this, but what they don't do that. They keep it to themselves. They keep the good news to themselves. They keep the, the law to themselves. They don't talk about how great Yahweh is. So that's what's going on, that we are, if we are of Gentile descent, without hope and without God in the world. But then we see that Jesus, he himself is our peace. And so moving on here to verse 13, we have, but now in Christ Jesus. Remember back last week or two weeks ago in Ephesians 2 uh, verse 4, it says, but God, right? But, but in God, but now in Christ, it's the same kind of language. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, right? So we were alienated, alienated. We were foreigners, wanderers, strangers. And because of Christ, he brings us near, by his blood, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh, no longer my flesh or human flesh, but in his flesh. He sets aside this hostility in his flesh and the law and its commands and its regulations and all the rules we gotta follow, he sets it aside by his body and his flesh. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, Gentiles and Israel. He wanted to make them one, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He put to death their hostility. I wanna take a little aside here this, uh, this I, I, I don't, I hesitate even doing this now, but it's too late, cats out of the bag, I gotta do it. Because this may not apply to anybody. You might go, I don't know what you're talking about, and that's okay, right? But there's this fun little theological word out there. I may have mentioned this, I know I have on our, on our uh, uh, podcast thing, but this idea of dispensationalism. Dispensationalism is this fancy word of how do we interpret the Bible? How do we read the Bible? And people who would, only Americans, only United States would have, that people have this view of dispensationalism would say, they call it the sine qua non, the main, um, the main point of dispensationalism as you read the Bible says you have ethnic Israel over here and you have the Gentiles or the church over here and they are very separate. And so when I'm reading through the Old Testament and I get to passages that talk about how the Israel is gonna be restored, that the, the physical temple is gonna be rebuilt, that the sacrificial system is gonna be reinstituted, they would say, God made those promises to Israel. He's gonna fulfill those promises, but not the church. The church is its own little separate thing. And right now in this age, this side of the cross is for us, but someday that ethnic Israel is gonna be restored physically. 
And so that's why, this is another side, man, I'm gonna maybe regret this, but this is why within mainstream evangelical Christianity, when uh, former President Trump uh, puts a uh, uh, embassy in Israel, they lose their minds. This is God's man. Why? I don't care. Everyone's God. I don't care who it is. But because he put this embassy in Israel, here we go. It's starting. It's happening. Israel's being restored to power. That's why people lose their minds over this stuff, is this, this way. Now, how, how can you read Ephesians 2 and separate Israel and the church? You, you can't do it. it. It cannot say it any more black and white. So maybe you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, if, you re- if you ever read the Left Behind series books, that's dispensationalism, okay? Now, coming back, you're like, I don't know, what was that all about? Sorry, <laughs> okay, we're, we're back. All right, now here, let me prove, let me prove that this is the, div- the dividing wall of hostility. What is this? This is a sketch of the, of the temple, the second temple or Herod's temple. Um, and so this would have been that Jesus would have gone to this temple, huge, massive temple. Uh, I mean, one of the biggest buildings probably in the, te- in the era, um, other than, you know, the pyramids. And so you've got this huge, huge temple um, that's going on. So let me try to kind of explain it. So you've got this big outer, outer area, this big outer wall. And obviously there were some rooms in there and whatnot. But as you pass into that, you go into this huge outer court. And it's kind of hard to see, but you, you've got this uh, outer court there. Uh, and then you have this little, these little walls, these kind of half walls there. Okay, so the outer court, the big area is called the court of the Gentiles. Through those little half walls, as you would walk into them, uh, where it was called the, the court uh, of, of Israel. Okay, so anybody could go into that court, could go into it, it, it but only if you were Jewish. If you were of, of an Israelite descent, you could go in there. All of the Gentiles could be on the outside. Even if I had converted to Judaism, I could not, as an ethnic difference, go past that barrier because I wasn't Jewish. And then to go on the inside, uh, you had the court of women, that only uh, men and women were allowed to go in that area. And then on the inner court, only Jewish men were allowed to go. And then when you get to the temple, only Jewish priests were allowed to go in there. And then you get to the Holy of Holies and only uh, the high priest on the day of atonement, one day out of the year, could one man go into that space. All right, so you have not just one wall of hostility, you have multiple layers of division that's going on. Now, what's interesting, uh, there was a, a Jewish, he was Jewish um, of ethnicity, but not in beliefs. He was not religious, but his name was Josephus, uh, historian of that time. Uh, and he, he wrote this. He said, when you go through the first cloisters, kind of that, the big outer gate, and you get into this first area, under the second court of the temple, there was a partition of stone all around. And he talks about the length and how pretty it was, whatever the height of it. It was three cubits, so about waist high. Um, cubit is from the elbow to your, your fingertips, so it depends on who's measuring that it makes a little difference, but about waist height. But he says this, at equal distances from one another, declaring the law of purity, uh, some in Greek and some in Roman letters. So on, on all those doors, there were, and these have been found, they're all over the, the, the world in different museums, um, in Greek and in Latin and, and different languages, says this, this is the, the, the translation. No stranger or no foreigner is to enter the balustrade around the temple and enclosure. And whoever is caught will have himself to blame that his death ensues. <laughs> that is a wall of hostility. <laughs> you don't look like me. You don't worship like me. 
you are going to die. Not if you die, it's like when you die, <laughs> right? You only have yourself to blame. That is a really intense wall of hostility. And Jesus comes and he says, I'm gonna tear that down. And what's interesting, again, I, I briefly mentioned this, this has always been part of God's plan. This has always been plan A. That God said, yes, I'm gonna choose Israel, but Israel, I want you to bless all people. I want all nations to come to me through you. But they don't, they, they keep it to themselves. It was part of the, the covenant that God makes with Abraham to be a blessing to all people. And this is illustrated in Isaiah chapter 42, verse six. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. This is thousands of years before Christ shows up and he's talking about some physical person saying this is gonna happen through somebody. You're, you're gonna be the covenant and a light to the Gentiles, to all nations. That was very foreign to Jewish ears. And yet while this has always been plan A, <laughs> as long as there has been a curse on this earth, there's been hostility between people. And that when we think of Cain and Abel, right? There was maybe, maybe uh, they had more brothers and sisters. We don't really know at this point, but we know that there was Cain, there was uh, uh, Adam and Eve, and they have two children, Cain and Abel, and Cain gets mad at Abel and kills him for it. And he might be the only person in, in human history that killed a quarter of the earth's population, right? It's kind of wicked, right? But we don't know. I don't know how many other people were there, but why? Why? Because he didn't understand something. His brother makes, Abel makes a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. God never even explained the sacrificial system. He just said, I want a sacrifice from you. And so Abel then sacrifices a lamb where Cain is a farmer and he, he gives fruit and vegetables and wheat. And God's like, oh, his sacrifice is more acceptable. And so instead of, hey, Hey, God, can you explain this to me? Hey, hey, Abel, what happened there, man? Like, maybe I could trade you for a, for a lamb. And instead he sheds innocent blood. And so instead of saying, hey, I, I don't understand something about you. I don't understand something about your situation. Instead of trying to understand, we become hostile. I, I, how many times, let's, let's try to get real. Let's try to get practical. How many times immediately in our minds do we judge people based on the way they look, uh, the way they act, the way they talk, their accents? Uh, this could be an American accent. Where are they from in the country? This could be a, a completely foreign accent. Whatever it may be that we immediately make assumptions. We immediately assume that when I see somebody in the corner that has a sign that says homeless, immediately judgment. Go get a job. You, can, you don't have to be homeless. We provide, yeah, I, I, I donate to things. Now let me tell you where to go. And immediately, but do I ever roll down the window and say, hey, let, let's talk. I don't try to understand. I just get hostile. And that has been the case of all humanity. Let's fight about it. Let's discriminate. Let's argue. Instead of talk and try to begin to understand what somebody else might be going through and what their understanding of it. This is illustrated beautifully in John chapter two, verse 13. And Jesus is gonna illustrate this. This same uh, story is told in, in the other, um, other uh, gospels as well. But John chapter two says this, the Passover of the Jews was at hand. This was a huge feast. This feast had been being celebrated for thousands of years. 
to remember the, the death angel that passed over the Israelites in Egypt, that they spread the blood of a lamb, an unblemished lamb on the doorpost and the mantle. And if they did that, then the Holy Spirit, this, the spirit, this, this angel would pass over them and not kill the firstborn son. And that was this Passover. They were going to remember this. And so they remember this. And for, and for thousands of years, people traveled to Jerusalem and they celebrate this feast. And so this town of Jerusalem, which was pretty large, one or 200,000 people, millions of people would come and flocked over to this. So, hey, let's monetize this. Let's make some money off of some people. So the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple, that same temple I just showed the, the image of. He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and money changers sitting there. So depending on how much uh, money you had or how well to do you were or how much land you own, um, God in very explicitly in the law says, here's what you uh, need to sacrifice. Uh, that this needs to actually be a sacrifice. And so if you're wealthy, I don't want you buying a pigeon. Um, that's what Jesus' family had to go buy was pigeons. Right, very poor. And so that was kind of the, what's happening. So these money changers, oh, you don't have that. Let's make a trade. Let me get this. What's going on there? Now, here's what's interesting. Maybe I could go back. I'm not going to go back to that image, but it doesn't matter. So what's happening there? All of this that's going on in the temple, that everyone that I've been able to read, this is happening not in the physical temple because again, only priests were allowed in there. So Jesus wouldn't be even be allowed in the temple, okay? This is on the temple grounds, most likely in that outer court area, in the court of Gentiles. And so you have people say, no, I, I wanna worship Yahweh, but I don't have the money or the funds and I, gotta, I just traveled a long way. I've heard about this God and they're making money off of foreigners and strangers and other Jews. And it says this in verse 15, and making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and he poured out the coins and the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away and do not make my father's house a house of trade. Other translations say, you've made this my father's house a den of robbers and my father's house is to be a house of prayer. And his disciples remembered what was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So we have this image of Jesus making a, a whip, right? And, and angrily, zealously kicking people out. Now, why would he do that, right? Is this like the equivalent of like a New Testament church, like having a bookstore in the back or a coffee shop? Is that what this is? No, it's so much deeper than that. It's not about a church or, or an organization or a ministry trying to make money, right? Although I, I would, whatever, sorry. What is this about? Well, this is a phrase, a word, a theological word that we've used quite a bit here at Lower Town that I've used is this idea of metalepsis. Metalepsis just means that when Jesus or any New Testament author quotes something, they're keeping in mind a lot more of the story that's going on from what they quote. Because when he, Jesus says, is not my father's house to be a house of prayer, if you finish even that phrase in Isaiah 56 verse seven, that my father's house is a house of prayer for all people. These money changers, these people, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're not allowing all people to come to God. That even though there is a dividing wall, an actual dividing wall of hostility separating Jews and Gentiles, he's saying, what are you doing? This is a house of God for 
all people. Don't you dare tell somebody that they're not good enough or they're not, they're not sufficient enough or their sacrifice isn't good enough and you're trying to capitalize on that and therefore not allowing people to sacrifice and worship God. How dare you? Get out. So I want to go back and read Isaiah 56, just one through eight. In the NIV, there's a heading uh, on this and a lot of Bibles, different translations will do this. And um, it's not um, uh, inspired. It's not, you know, the words of God or anything, but over this, it's called salvation for foreigners. Let me read what Isaiah 56 says about Gentiles, all ethnicities before Jesus even comes, before Jesus tears down that wall of hostility. Thus says the Lord, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast. Son of man was Jesus' favorite title for himself. Who keeps the Sabbath and not profane it, who keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, right? so this is somebody from the outside, a Gentile who says, I wanna worship Yahweh. I've seen what you've done for Israel and I wanna be part of that. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree for thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things uh, that please me and hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls there's that language of you're inside now, a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love him, uh, love the name of the Lord and to, of his servant, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. Do you hear what Jesus is quoting here? These people, these foreigners, bring them in and it's gonna be joyful in my house of prayer. And their burnt offerings, but now you money changers aren't allowing them to do this and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And the Lord God who gathers the outskirts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. And so now we, the church, becomes a temple to the Lord. As we're gonna see, this is not a physical temple. It's not a building, it's a people, it's a heart change. The author of Hebrews talks about circumcision of the heart it's not about flesh. It's not something that's happening physically now. It's spiritual. And to be reborn by the spirit, according to Jesus, it must be born again, not by water, but by spirit. Reborn, rebirthed by the spirit. We are now a temple. We are now a holy temple in the Lord. Continuing in our passage in Ephesians, verse 19 says, consequently, you who are no longer, you are, listen, you are no longer foreigners strangers, aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So wait, is it about the church or is it just Israel? Or so are we being, it's all one on the apostles 
and the prophets, that's New Testament and Old Testament, one with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is being joined together and raises, rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we can compare the two. We have this physical temple of, of physical walls, of barriers that, that get more restrictive and more restrictive the closer you get to God. And then Jesus shows up and he says, no more anybody of anything. I don't care what you like and what you don't like, come to Jesus. He makes it all available. No longer does God dwell in a physical temple, but rather in a spiritual one. And he sets aside the law, the rules, and the regulations with his flesh. So let me get to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17. So it says this, He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. There's no longer rules, regulations, confessions, sacrifices. Do know that Jesus did it. Jesus is our high priest that performed one sacrifices once for all. And then it says he sat down. That he doesn't have to continually do these sacrifices day in and day out like Old Testament priests. No, no, no. He is the high priest. And he says, come to me all who are weary. I want to preach peace to you. That's so foreign to our way of thinking right now. Peace? Like, like actual peace? Right? And then we, we kind of had maybe, oh man, the, remember the good old days before, before 2020? Man, they weren't good then either. We fought about so many things. We kind of joke. Remember those good days? We used, to, we used to fight about this and argue about this. We were still arguing about stuff. He preaches peace. I know I've shared this before, but I think it's too, um, it's, just, it's just too good not to say again. And you're like, I don't, you probably don't remember this, but there's this fantastic movie called Independence Day starring Will Smith and Harry Connick Jr. He's in that too, if you didn't know that. He doesn't sing though. Independence Day, Will Smith though, there's this scene, Will Smith's not in it. Uh, if you don't know it, uh, aliens come and destroy the earth, <laughs> kind of a thing. Uh, and and uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> and, uh, and so what happens though, there's this scene where they capture an alien. Will Smith actually captures, captures the alien. Welcome to earth. Uh, and, he, and he punches him out, right? So anyways, they're, they're, he's, they're, they're dissecting this alien in this room, right? Uh, and, it's, and it's this closed off room, the safe room where the scientists are in there and they're dissecting. Well, the thing wakes up, right? And it starts attacking everyone. Obviously, that's what aliens do, of course. And, and he's fighting and he's, and he's beating everyone up and he, and he captures one of the scientists and he's got his little tentacle around his neck and he starts talking through this a scientist, and he's slammed up against the glass wall, right? And they're like, let him out. And they're like, no, the alien, right? Duh. And so what happens though? This is the conversation that happens because of course, the, it's, this is an area 51, uh, another dividing wall. Yeah, am I right? And you have the president of the United States. I forget the actor's name, but he, he's now talking. He's communicating to the alien through this scientist. And he says this, you know, there is much we can learn from each other if we can negotiate a truce. And he says to the alien, can there be peace between us? And the alien then says, peace? No peace. And then the president says, well then, 
well, then what do you want us to do? And Ilian says, die. <laughs> That's a very intense moment, right? And then they're like, is that glass bulletproof? And they're like, nope, light them up, <laughs> right? <laughs> but there's literally a wall, right? This dividing wall that's an a hostile alien that wants nothing to do with peace. And I know this is a stretch, right? Oh, I missed this one. Yeah, this one, they're lighting them up, right? So, but what happens? Jesus, Jesus shows up. Listen, we are the hostile aliens. This might be a stretch, but Jesus shows up and he says, you're my enemy. You hate me. All you do is want me and everyone like, that's not like you to die. That's me. That's my heart. I don't want it. I don't want to mess with it. I want it out of my, I mean, life would be so much easier if everyone was just like me. No way. I would not get along with myself. Just hostile. And Jesus shows up and he preaches peace to those who are far away. Those of us who are at enmity with Christ, that while we were yet sinning, Christ dies for us. And he brings us near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Whether I'm a secret service agent in the room and I'm like, no, man, I'm cool, I'm in. No, I need Jesus. That was a stretch. Then all analogies break down. That was a stretch. We are the hostile aliens. And he preaches and he brings us near. So in gospel application, let me just say this. You have been brought near. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think you realize how wicked I am. I don't think you realize how good I am. No, 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 no. You've been brought near. I don't, I don't think you, you realize who I am. I don't think you realize how much I hate God. He died for you. You have access. And yet, again, language I use a lot here, that's the door. That's going from the God, not believing in Jesus, going through this door and believing in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins, going from death to life. I want that for everyone in here. If, you, if you, that's not you, today is the day of repentance. You can put your faith in Jesus and believe in him and be forgiven of all sins and be at peace with the creator of the universe. How? What do I got to do? Nothing. It's already been done. Jesus already did that. You have been brought near, but I think for those of us who maybe are on that side, no, I, I, I know, I, I know I'm brought near. Why do we keep putting walls of hostility up? We do this so often. And so I, you could, you could, I'm sure you could right now think of a person or a people you still feel hostility towards. This could be an employer, could be an employee, coworker, spouse, your kids, could be a roommate, could be a president, former president, could be a nation, could be an ethnicity. Hostile. Jesus says, no, I already died for that. Why do you, why do you keep rebuilding this wall of hostility towards other people who aren't like you? Mixed nuts, who cares? Why are you fighting about this? And so I want us to repent. And I want us all to, to apply the gospel that Jesus died and tore down that wall of hostility. And I need to metaphorically in my mind, my mind's eye tear down that wall of prejudice and whatever it may be towards other people who aren't like me. Could be sexist. It could, I mean, I fill in the blank. It's done with. It's not just an ethnic male. It's now all people. But yet I do that. 
And, and this might be this might be trivial, but man, I you know what I get really uh, irked about is how people drive, right? And, and I've got a wall of hostility to people who don't use their blinker, right? Uh, who 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 don't merge, right? Uh, who who drive slow in the the fast lane. Yesterday I was humbled. I was driving. I was driving around the mall. Uh, I was getting a parking spot, and and someone was going the wrong way in a one-way flow around the mall. So I'm honking at him, and, and my five-year-old is like, well, who are you honking? I'm like, because this idiot doesn't know how to drive, <laughs> right? And just, and I was being serious, right? Like, come on, right? But it could have been an honest mistake. Maybe, maybe they were pregnant, and they're on the way to the hospital, and that was the fastest way. Rather than trying to understand, I just assume you're an idiot, right? And, I, and then later on, we go, we go into the mall, we do our thing, we get lunch, we're driving home, and we're just driving. And I'm not yelling at anybody, I'm not doing, I'm just driving. And Henry, my five-year-old goes, man, there's a lot of people that don't know how to drive. And I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Why why am I so hostile to people? Right? And and then now my hostility is rubbing off on my five-year-old. I don't need my five-year-old yelling at people because they're idiots on the road. (laughs) I need to repent of that. I really do. We need to apply the gospel. And I mean to everything. There's so many things that we just are hostile, antagonistic about. Instead of just listening, instead of assuming the best in people, not that people are good, they're inherently bad, we know that. But I mean just like, hey, let's give them the benefit of the doubt here. And let's pray for them. Let's, let's offer them peace the way that Jesus offered me peace. And repent. We're going to have a time of communion this morning like we do every Sunday. And so we have these elements up here, the, the bread that represents the body of Christ that was broken, the juice that represents his blood that was shed for us. And these elements are for anyone who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I went from death to life, not because I did anything, because I earned it, because I was good enough. No, he died for me and said, I want you. And I've been saved. I've been brought near. And I've joined a plethora of people of different tribes and nations and tongues that will worship Jesus together. And so this morning we get to partake of these elements and these are the elements that are a new covenant. That when Jesus and his disciples were partaking of that Passover feast, that feast that had been going on for thousands of years, Jesus said, I have longed to take this Passover meal with you, to eat this meal with you. And then he changes it. He says, you know, for thousands of years, our people have been doing this eating this lamb and, and, and looking at the blood this, of this innocent lamb that was shed. Now, here, I want you to take this bread and when you break it, that is a new covenant in my body. I want you to drink the juice of this cup and as you drink it, that is now my blood, not the blood of some lamb. That it is now my body and my blood that is the new covenant. And so we get to remember, there's the one command today, remember. And so we get to go grab these elements and remember what it is that Christ did for me, that while I was a hostile alien, he dies for me. And therefore I should treat others the same way. Not because I have to, or because if I don't, I'm out of the club. No, I now want to. I want to. Because I see the good news, the gospel. I see Jesus and I want other people to see that. And one of the greatest ways I can demonstrate Jesus' love for them is by showing them my love for them. 
Let me pray, and then the worship team will come back up here, and we'll sing two songs. And uh, feel free to, to come and grab the elements as you feel led, uh, and go sit back down and, and eat, uh, take those elements and, and pray, repent, uh, think of the songs, whatever it may be uh, that, that it is that you want to do. But I would only ask that if you're a follower of Jesus to take these elements. If you're not, uh, just ask you to just you know, uh, sit there and, and reflect on the sermon today. Um, and, uh, and, and repent as well. Um, but we're going to sing two songs and just feel free to, to and then as the songs are, are over, we will uh, conclude uh, our service this morning. So let me go ahead and pray and then we will uh, continue with communion. Father, I thank you that we can remember. We, we get to remember who we once were, that once we were foreigners, once we were alienated, once we were strangers wandering around, And Jesus came into this earth, takes on human flesh, becomes one like us, a truly human version of ourselves and says, I want you and I want you so much. I'm gonna suffer and I'm gonna die. I'm gonna shed my blood for the forgiveness of your sins because you're blemished, you're sinful and your blood will not work. It has to be mine. And he did that so that we can now, now in this moment, here in the New Testament church, read these passages and now as commanded by the Apostle Paul, remember, remember what it is that Christ did. Remember who we once were, but now we have been brought near. That it's not about keeping rules and regulations and commandments. It's about loving you. I pray now that you'd be honored and glorified as we sing, as we partake of these elements and in Christ's name that we pray, amen.